forever. Dog. I always love when a book starts, you know, they're just like, Audible presents. Like when you hear the person's voice for the first time and you're like, nope. can I really, am I really going to hang out with this person for 14 hours? Yeah. Audible presents yeah. Tom Sizemore Unchained. My journey through Hollywood as a maniac. I like the first when they read the title page and they're like, crisscross, chapter one. <laughs> yeah. The, or or when it's not the person, if it's a if it's a uh, celebrity thing or a recognizable name doing a thing, and suddenly it's just a different voice reading it, and you're like, "What? I can't pretend that you're Dennis Rodman." I remember when it was just like, guys, like Audible presents "Bad as I Want to Be" by Dennis Rodman, read by uh, Fred. What? And you're just like. You're not Dennis Rodman. And Fred, he's just like, Fred is he's, Fred is Modman. And then he's just like, I took my shirt off and I was going to, th- I was, we were partying. The Bulls had won nine games in a row and we were on a hot streak. You're like, you're not him. friends we didn't there's start a the show, show yet this is not we don't we did not start no, the show this yet is the that is not the, this show. Is the start of the I'll, show here here's how about this how about this i'll start the show i quit oh you know God. why why because i checked our fucking comments last night our i mean reviews yeah and i almost quit last night on twitter and then i thought i'm not giving twitter that scoop wait what happened in the comments not comments, reviews. Reviews. Brett, tell tell them. We were hoping to get to uh, hoping a thousand hoping. reviews. <laughs> I said if we don't get a thousand reviews on Apple, mm-hmm. I'm quitting the show. Mm-hmm. Oh no! How I, many I, do I we have? Them. I mean, look, there we we definitely got a lot of reviews this week. We Just don't have a give thousand. The number. Just give the number. I've also heard that these numbers are a little, it takes a I while for them to catch up. I don't care. Up. It takes a I don't days. care. I've heard, I don't where'd, care. Where'd you hear that? The bus station? <laughs> what do you get? I've heard. I've where, heard where, I've, where are you getting the word review? Word on the street? The review scuttle What kind bus? of street? I went down to Apple HQ. I had a meeting with their yeah. podcast department. Cupertino. Yeah. That's my Andy Kindler impression. Apple Podcast says we're at 9.30. It says we're at 9.31 right now. I think that's a little... I think that's... The number is... Oh, we're not even on the other side of 9.50? This is humiliating. That's gross. Please give us more reviews on Apple because I really do feel pathetic. Keep them coming. And, and look, here's the bright side. These these are the best. It's the be- already the best podcast out there. And now we got the best reviews out there. These reviews are so creative. They're so funny. Do we funny. get any one that were mean? Wasn't there one that oh, like, they're all spelled mean out? Against me. They're, they're very positive <laughs> against you. And then they are just brutal against wait, wait, me. Wasn't there one that like spelled out Brett sucks? Yeah, we got a Zodiac Killer-esque <laughs> review. Tom, uh, did, you, did you see I this like, one, Tom? No. I like how it's like B is for the like... 
It's like they, it just spells out Brett's. He is for the blessing yeah, that Tom exactly. is. I've got it right R here. It's is uh, for the romantic feelings I feel for Julie. <laughs> yeah. It says, uh, the best, the best, uh, five stars, boisterous, rousing, exciting, <laughs> terrific. <laughs> Look, okay, I'm going to say this. That review counts for 100 reviews. <laughs> that one counts for the idea that somebody decided to spell out Brett sucks. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Boisterous, rousing, exciting, terrific, top-notch, superb, unbelievable, crazy, kick-ass, stupendous. I always love when you hear certain words used and you just know, oh, what somebody's up to you? something. Boisterous. <laughs> but that's the first go-to word, anything. Boisterous. You just know. It's like, all right, what's the game? And then you look and you're like, oh, Brett sucks. There it is. Like, it's like no one would use boisterous with that, without some ulterior motive. I give that review five stars. Good job, what reviewer. The, what are the other ones? Oh, God. It's this. All right. Um, <laughs> someone called you a golf announcer? Yeah, someone said I have the voice of a golf announcer. One of them just says, Huff my shorts, Brett. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Huff. And I'm going to say this to this audience. You show this guy respect. You no, show him respect. Not, but not, yeah, but not in the not in the reviews. No, no, you don't. You be nice to this guy. You don't do that anymore. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. If you you say nice things to him in the comments only, that's it's all we will accept. If anybody does anything, I'm so mad at you. It's really funny. Keep going. That's and I just wanted you to know, Brett. I got your back on this. Hey, thanks so much. Thanks so much. I was picking up some sort of maybe inaudible little things there, but I'll, I'll clean that up in post. Boisterous. What was the second one? Rousing. <laughs> Another giveaway. <laughs> Boisterous. Rousing. You're just like, oh, okay, Brett. I see BR, Brett. What? Okay. <laughs> Boisterous, rousing, exciting, <laughs> terrific, top-notch, superb, unbelievable, crazy, kick-ass, stupendous. Have you ever been in a play? Like no. a school play? I have not. You've never been in a school play? <laughs> not yet. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I got a you couple callbacks. What kind of imagine what if that's your thing is like the adult in school plays where like mm -hmm. we need an adult to play like the giant and Jack and the Beanstalk yeah. or we need an adult to play like. Yeah, it's just so funny. Yeah, you just be an adult. And it's like as far as kids are concerned, when it's just like in my mind, I'd be like, yeah, I guess maybe I could play, uh, you know, I'm thinking I could play Conrad Birdie. I could guess I could probably get away with that a little bit. And then remind you, like, you should play someone who's a hundred because you're a hundred years old. You're just old. Well, like, Conrad Birdie is a hundred in that movie. But kids, kids see anybody who's over 15 right. as you might as well be Willie Nelson. Were you ever, did you, when you were at school, did, were you ever like a tech? Did you ever do like theater tech where you like move the, the chairs? Nah, I let those kids do their thing. <laughs> I was off on my own adventures. Playing with matches. Playing with matches. 
those nerds would do that. And I'd just start breaking into lockers because I knew they were busy. <laughs> what did you steal of theirs? Ah, wallets, pearls. Erasers that smelled like sweet strawberries. You know that artificial strawberry like smell that used to that they would like put in like erasers? Yeah, and it seems it's just like it has nothing to do with actual strawberries. But you're just like, this is the sweetest smell on the softest object. It's like before, like when you're a kid and you're just like, I don't like, like sex isn't interesting to me right now. So I'm just like, oh, I love this slimy texture. I think I'm going to play with it. <laughs> just like, oh, this, this eraser smells great. Scented markers. Scented markers. Don't mind if I do. And then it's like. When you think about that, it's like you really want. We were all want to just encourage kids to uh, to sniff markers. They ain't getting high off that. That ain't a fast lane to being in a in a Home Depot parking lot with a can of silver spray paint and a paper bag. Be Citizen Ruth in this thing. I was, I was gonna say Citizen Ruth. I- that was funny. That movie's flawed oh as all get out. But the idea that she loved huffing paint was really was funny. Still really funny. That first time I saw her with that silver ring. When she got that like goatee know. around her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, she can't help it. Yeah. So, Brett. Yeah. What's going on with the merch? Oh, the merch. Um, yeah, we, we, we've been uh, we got a few designs that are in the queue that are about to come out. I, I know I keep saying that, uh, but uh, we just we just been have been perfecting them. We're running them through some some some. I heard multiple what you drafts. just did there. You hear what he did, Julie? Mm. We got some things in the queue. He leaned in. That's that's him making these winks to the community. And it makes me sick. <laughs> oh, okay. Then all they'll get all their jollies on that. I was going to say that if you continue to read that comment after it spelled out Brett sucks, I wonder what else it spelled out. It said as as we go one, we go all. Is that what the, what's the saying? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a you know, I mean, White Squall is an underrated movie. I've always said it. Is is do they reveal Q in the final episode of oh. that doc? Because I yes, I they uh, do. They do. Hmm. What he look like? It's Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> it was weird. All right. They show him. They show him writing from uh, backstage at Saturday Night Live. Look, I was. I finally finished watching that Q documentary, and I really liked it a lot. I just got to say, I was slightly heartbroken to realize. Did you watch any of it, Julie? I saw the first 10 minutes where the, the, like the guy's neighbors realized he was in eight Chan mm-hmm. and he gave him a hug. Ron Watkins. Did you watch it? Brett? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was never so heartbroken to realize Fr- Fred, that guy, uh, the one guy talks fast. No, Fred's the guy who, uh, has the bone, uh, deficiency whatever his his uh brittle bone oh, yeah, disorder yeah. brittle bone yeah, syndrome. he he was like 15 minutes away from me oh cool he's in he was in north hollywood just sitting there bored out of his gourd i would have come by go to coffee bean. hung out with him tender yeah. greens we could have gone to sweet greens here you goes i would have hung out with fred and his little 
his little dog. Pomeranian. Little Pomeranian. Pom Pom. He's sitting there. He's sitting there in North Hollywood. Right, Brett? Me and you could have gone over. I, I thought the exact same thing, Tom. As soon as he's he's uh he has to come back um uh you know back to the states because he's fleeing uh fleeing prosecution and then he's hanging on that little apartment in North Hollywood. I was I, I thought the exact same thing. I thought, man, it's just around the corner. We have a little uh, Pomeranian party, me and Fred. And I actually got stuck, no joke. I was stuck in traffic from that August thing in Los Angeles. I was stuck in the traffic. I watched that parade, that QAnon parade. Literally, they they were tying up traffic on Sunset in August. And then it was in the movie. There was, was a QAnon parade? Oh yeah, they because they they are they're marching all over the place. They're marching all over. Was it a parade or was it a march? Well, it's like a march. It's like I call it a parade because it's gonna, fun. It's like there are like floats. Well, and they, like a miss, like a page, like a miss, miss Q parade queen. Yeah, they actually uh, had like a flatbed truck that had something on the back of it. But I just remember being stuck, waiting for them to stop so I could go down the road. And then I was like, oh, there it is. That's fun. I saw that. That was, f- look, it's the thing I saw in real life on TV. It's very exciting. But me, me and you and Fred could have hung out, Brad. I know. I know. I did like, I like, I liked Fred. I have, I have a feeling I'd, I won't, I wouldn't have liked his politics, but he, uh, he grew on me. I, I liked Fred. You guys could have met it. What is that place called? Bricks and Scones. I would have probably liked to have met up. Uh, I would have kept it simple. We would have met at Best Buy. Gratitude Cafe. Best Buy. Yeah. Which which aisle? I'll be by the Blu-rays. Probably over by the CD players, which is kind of an under underpopulated aisle. You go to Best Buy. You're like, you got CD players. Like, I think so. <laughs> like, are we really? Are we really this aggressive with technology? Moving forward, where you got to make it, you got to embarrass somebody because they want something that is not. Are you sure that wasn't just an improv everywhere guy wearing a blue polo? You might have been. I tell you, they keep getting me. They might have got me again. Those those tricksters. What was the most embarrassing time they got you? Um, When they gave you that vaccine. Yeah, they got they me to line was, up. When they said it was a vaccine. They got me to line up. I waited and then then they smushed a, a cream pie in my face. Like, you're ready for the shot? And they were like. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute. And then they went, you got improved everywhere. Mine was a little bit less broad. Okay. I got I lined up for the shot at the Javits Center. I waited outside for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. They called my name. And then they gave me an insulin shot. Oh, that's different. That's not <laughs> That's not cool. And it wasn't until... It wasn't until I tested my sugar levels that I realized that I'd been pronked. Yeah, you got pronked by impronk everywhere. The... um. Here's here's something for New York City. Why don't you call it 
the Jabbits Center. Oh, that's all, a good idea. Because you're all getting the jab out there. Well, not for not for a minute. They like they're like, let's all hold off on these Johnson and Johnson ones. Let's just put these on a let's just put these on ice while we have a little Chit chat about it. No, is that the only one they're serving up there? The big one. It was. It was like our. Yeah, it's like imagine like you go to the movie theater and they're like, "We're out of Coke." Yeah. You want like you want some like you want a Sierra Mist and you're like, um, how long is it to wait for Coke? They're like, I don't know. Yeah. I was at a drive-through a couple weeks ago and they're just like, "We're out of Diet Coke," and I'm like. What you back up and like jam all the people? I tell you, I wanted you. I wanted to start going back and forth, just smashing cars in front of me and behind me. But then I went up to the window and I, and they're like, "Would you like something else to drink?" And I'm like, "No, I don't." And then I'm stuck in the car. I'm like, "And eh, what am I going to do? Not drink anything?" <laughs> I get back up to the window. It's like, "Can I have a glass of water, please?" Oh, so then they give you the cup as if it's like, "What am I r- rinsing at the dentist's?" Could, you, could this cup be any smaller? Oh, they gave you the tiny, like, yeah. paper one? Yeah. It's like, hey, you're the one who's out of Diet Coke. I was ready to do business. I was ready to pay $3 for something that costs you guys four cents. Every time they fill up that little cup at the dentist, there's always, like, a little mouthwash at the bottom of it because it makes it bubbly. Is there? At my dentist. Mm-hmm. It's not like I could go. It's not like I could like put my like water bottle underneath the 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 tiny little shallow like the ones that look like mid century ashtrays mm-hmm. and just be like I'm just gonna fill up my water bottle because then it would first of all take very take you know a very long time but also it would be kind of that bubbly like you know it's just like a tiny little bit of soap at the bottom of something that's what it looks like mm-hmm. it's like very very diluted mouthwash sure. By the way, my dentist is a dog. I should mention that. Yeah, that that you probably wanted should have led with that. That did I mention I go to a dog dentist now? Every time he's like, let's take a mold, he like comes in with a dish and it just has peanut butter in it. And he like mm-hmm. presses it on the top of my palate. And he's like, let's let's wait, let's like wait for that to set. And then he's just like, I can't wait anymore. And he just starts licking. <laughs> <laughs> Like all the stuff that they make molds out of is peanut butter. And then the toothpaste is peanut butter too. It is a very peanut butter centric uh, uh, industry. Anything with a dog or just like, and this is a peanut butter. And you put a pill inside of it. It tastes like peanut butter. This you know is what the, the thing. It's toothpaste. Yeah. Tastes like peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> or chicken or that like. Right. These dogs, you go put that that toothpaste that they have yes. for dogs. Yeah, my cat, like, my, yeah, they have them for cats too, where they're like, this tastes like chicken. And you're like, I'll take your word for it. They must just be like, that is not chicken. No, that they is don't. disgusting. No, it's like, it's like strawberry Dimatap. Kids aren't like, oh, can I have some more of that like Kool Aid? Like, yeah. they're, you know, dogs. Would if that thing tasted like chicken, you'd wake up in the morning, find out the dog ransacked the thing. You'd find it a ripped open tube of of toothpaste. The dog would have eaten all of it if it actually tasted like chicken, but it doesn't. It's it, you could set that on the counter in front of the dog right. and say, That's "Have like, at it." Right. That's like the kitty Dukakis. Like I drank hairspray. You're like, well, there was nothing else in the house. Yeah, the dog would chomp that thing up. 
But they don't. Um, they know that's not chicken. The other thing about my dog dentist is he sends you home with like one of those little, um, you know, those like little plastic bags where it's mm -hmm. like, like a little, like a new toothbrush and like a little thing of floss. Um, mm -hmm. And in my dog dentist sends me home with a little bag of, of greenies. That's nice. It's not a poop bag though, is it? Um, no, they're like greenies makes these little like for dentists size okay. bags. I would probably try a greenie at some point. Oh, I need a greenie right now. Even though, uh, what's Jackson his face? <laughs> Catman dude didn't like, uh, Catman, Catman brothers, Catman brothers. Yeah. And also seriously though, I do want what? some of that cat money. I want, I want to take well, if the cat his. fixer doesn't work. Maybe you can brand yourself as Catman brothers, Catman brothers. What can't the cat man do? Catman brothers. <clears throat> the cat you could, fixer. You could do a cover of Bat Dance, but have it be Cat Dance. Yeah. And just do, instead of samples from the Batman movie, it could be samples from Jackson's show. Yep. Or it'd be, I would re record them so he wouldn't sue me. I'd just get a sound alike in there. Oh, of Jackson? Yeah. Of somebody just going, My cat's out of control. <laughs> get off me. My cat's been a real douche lately. I don't know what to do. That would be the name. Maybe that'd be the name of my show. My cat's being a real douche lately. <laughs> it's like one of the, it's like a Charlie Coffin movie. Like I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. The cat fixer. The cat has the cat fixer met his challenge. It'd be like, it'd be like the extreme version of the cat fixer. Like now we get the real challenges. Tom Sharpling is the cat fixer on my cats being a real douche lately. And, you know, uh, Jackson Galaxy, he's got his uh, guitar case where he keeps all his, uh, you know, cat toys and so forth. You could have a, uh, a douche bag, a douche bag uh, where you keep all your you know, cat training uh, implements I, and, and so I forth. No, I was. It's a little gross. If it were if it were like if it were Catman Brothers, I feel like it would be like a saxophone case or something. Yeah. And I or, come out, I'm like. Or doctors, right. like one of those black bags doctors used to have in old times. I would be like, let's fix this. And I come out with, I come out of the room, I open up my saxophone case, I come out. And when I do that low note, like a, like a stuffed cat pops up out of my, <laughs> out of the bell of the, it's like. So the cats are paying attention. And, I just, and like, then what kinda, do you do? I put my cool sunglasses on and I'm like, and I start blowing the sacks in a cat's face. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Saxophone's like annoying, right? Right, kitty? Saxophone's over. <laughs> Saxophone is more or less an annoying instrument, right, kitty? I don't see how this is supposed to change their behavior. Um, Seems like it's there to distract them while like I like steal things from the house. Like it seems like a this seems like a con 
Seems like the two of us are basically going around like stealing pe- things from people's homes. Well, I'm doing that, and then you're just ransacking. Like that's what you're I mean. Like, yeah, like you're looking for a floor, like a sa- floor safe. You're like you're in the other room with a metal detector. Like I think I found the floor safe. Or and not I'm, even being that gentle, just like yeah, like throwing, like just going into the closet, just like throwing, throwing whole shelves stuff. of things on the floor, and like and looking meanwhile, for I'm jewelry. Like, and you're just like, where is it? Where's the money? It's got to be in here somewhere. Emptying drawers, just <laughs> pouring them out on the floor. And the cat's owners are like watching the cats and the cats are watching the saxophone. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I can only get away with this for like, we only have like four and then minutes. I'm in the get- and then I'm in the getaway car and I just like lean on the horn. Yeah. You just go honk, honk, honk. And I'm like, your cat's fine. <laughs> your cat's fine. See you later. And, and they're just run. like, I don't Why think is our he cat- running. I don't think our cat. I don't think he did anything for a cut. Honey, you hear a screech. You hear, oh my God, honey, get in here. The bedroom, everything's on. The jewelry's gone. Well, it couldn't have been the guy with the saxophone. He was here the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. We got robbed. Do you think he saw anyone? (laughs) And then I'm like, well, there was that. There was that woman he said was was his assistant. Yeah. What happened to his assistant? Is she here? (laughs) <laughs> you're like this is my assistant she's going to cat proof the rest of the house yeah she's going to cat proof the rest of the house and look for any triggers for the cat uh so just let her do that don't bother her whatever you do don't bother her no let me you're go like let me go get you're my like one of those those drills that people use when they're trying to like when they're going to a vault you hear mm-hmm. those like yeah just like or like what if i'm blowing the saxophone and meanwhile you're like working like a safe you're like i don't feel like we have that kind of time i feel like we go right to the drill well you got to be good at safe cracking yeah but i feel like you always have to have that drill just in case you're not that's true you sure you don't want some uh some explosives like we could time like i could blow like the saxophone really loud if you blow up the safe like that may be being like i would just start doing uh-huh. the i'll just start playing the solo from jungle land i'll be like yeah, but i think you also need to be like physical too yeah. you have to like kick you have to start dancing because it's going to be really loud the explosions would be really loud yeah i feel like you need to start like kicking in the air i just start playing i just start playing the solo on Born to Run. <laughs> and then the cat's like, run. And the cat and is like, like, no, that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. The cat's like, an explosion just went off in the house, you idiots. We're being robbed. The cat's like trying to communicate. They're robbing us. <laughs> the owners are like, wow, I've never seen them so uh, engaged. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you, you're just like shoving the contents of the safe <laughs> into, a, into a bag. Yeah, clean the kitty litter. You're like, make like, it's just like, I'm going to throw this kitty litter out. And then they come in the, after we're gone, the kitty litter box is totally full. The litter mm-hmm. box is totally full. They're like, he, she didn't <laughs> empty the litter box. 
What was in that bag? It was our money. <laughs> it's our jewelry. Our passports are gone. <laughs> and the two of us are like at the airport dressed up like those idiots. Yeah. We're like, we're Mr. and Mrs. Lanyard, and we're here to go to Brazil. Yeah, suddenly it's like, like cool, cool crime music. Both have like sunglasses on. Yeah, two tickets for Rio de Janeiro, please. But I still have like, I still have like explosive dust all over myself. Yeah. Also, we'd like to check this cat. Three, three, please. And the cat gets a third seat. I thought the cat was a stuffed animal cat that came out of the bottom of your saxophone. No, we work for a cat or the cat draws. Oh, that's our boss. Yeah. Our boss is a cat. Again, I should have led with that. If our boss is a cat, then we're not all making it to Brazil. You should have led with that. Your dentist was a dog. And I should have told you that our, the crime boss is a cat. But if the crime boss is a cat, we're not splitting that. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. he's, We'll, we'll be on a plane to Brazil. He'll already be in uh, in, in Zurich, you know? Yeah. Well, Julie, this caper will have to wait. Do you know why? Why? Because we got a guest. Oh. And yeah. speaking of guests, uh, we got a guest uh, right now. Yeah, no, that's uh, what I just the- said. <laughs> I said we got a guest, and speaking, Emperor goes, speaking of guests, of guests said, we got a guest. Speaking of guests, we have a guest. Yeah. We have a guest. Speaking of guests, we have a guest. I said we have a guest. Speaking because of guests, we have a guest. Transitions are either so far off, yeah, like you're trying to connect two things on the opposite side of the room with like the <laughs> tiniest little bit of tape mm, that you yeah. can't even conceive of getting like to the middle of the room, or. You they're don't, just or they're imperceptible. Yeah, they're imperceptibly repetitive to where, like, yeah. Sometimes they're like they're like Barney level, like Barney and Friends level of like, like, like that. We're being like he, he talks like we're, like we're five. Speaking of guests, we have a guest today. How many friends did Barney really have? It was just Baby Bop. I feel like that was his little sister. Barney's a loser. <laughs> oh my god! Barney's a loser. Trump just being mad at Barney. <laughs> you know who's a loser, Barney. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of losers, this guest is definitely not a loser. Oh, um, fine, just fine. You know, fine. So this guest we have, Brett. Yeah, this is so cool. This is very cool because we, as you know, we. Uh, enjoy a good scare now and again right the jack in the box popping up when you least expect it bag of crickets over the doorway you open the door falls on your head you're covered in live crickets <laughs> what are you talking we love about a, good a scare bag of crickets now. a good old-fashioned fun and if only there was a magazine that documented the scares that you get in movies well, and there scares is scares and ghouls, but gore gores and go- go- ghoulies, grossies, gories, decapitated and, and decapitated heads and goo and, and blood and ah! buckets of blood everywhere. Boogeyman's 
and a monster jumps out and chomps your nose off. A big creepy. And the beauty of this is that there is such a magazine, and it's called Fangoria. Oh, that's perfect. Fangoria. So this magazine, you and I, I don't know if you know this, Julie, we wrote uh, a column for it. I do know this. I hit send on my email. I said, I'm a journalist. An incredible column, uh, a top 10 list, which we're going to look at uh, a little bit in this episode of the uh, most horrifying moments in non-horror movies. Uh, this was, uh, this was an open, open forum. We could, uh, Tom and Julie were able to write whatever they wanted for Fangoria. And when they sent me this list, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is incredible. This is, this is the best possible version of Tom and Julie and Fangoria. Uh, and then he so- lost that list and he was like, guys, I don't know what happened to that email. Yeah, I am so, we so were, sorry. Yeah. You're going to have to do this again. So we wrote and a Tom terrible and I had one. Like, Tom and I were like, let's table this for a minute. And then we talked about it for like a week and a half. Because I was like, can we put a pin in this? And then Julie was like, can we put this on ice? I said, can we put this on ice? Tom said, can we put a pin in it? Pinhead. Tom and I like literally a week and a half, 10 days. 10 days. He and I went back and forth on bread. What are we going to do about bread? At one point, Tom goes, is this a problem problem? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then we did the column. And it came out smashingly. And we are now a part of horror history, some might say. Because we are we- Fangoria contributors. Yeah, you, you you flip through this issue. And by the way, Fangoria, I got I got my got my issue right here. Oh, um, look at this. This is uh, you flip so through this cool. thing. This magazine's incredible. You it got rules. a you got a breakdown of, of like the Hammer horror films in here. You have a breakdown of like old Hammer public horror. access kind of horror shows and a history of those. You like that song? And so Tom? you're going you like through that like that song, Tom. Wait, did Hammer did horror movies. MC Hammer did horror movies. Oh God, what a silly thing to say. Yeah. Attack of the parachute pants. <laughs> Thank sorry. you for That's taking my the heat role. off I'm me. Sorry. Bro. That's not my. Thanks. That's no, not you my took job. the heat off. Sorry. You took the heat off me. <laughs> I was I was under the microscope for about five seconds, and then you couldn't resist, and now you are under the microscope. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll uh, my written apologies <laughs> being prepared. Yeah. So who who is our guest? What is our, who is our esteemed guest? So, well, yeah, and I want I want to take you back a little. I want to rewind the tape a little bit because because just to just to show you the the reach of Double Threat, how how far Double Threat uh, percolates through the culture. This all started because Tom, you made you made an offhanded reference. Uh, to Fangoria uh, being the uh, being the uh, or actually I it, I don't know who it was. Somebody made an offhanded reference to uh, being the editor of Fangoria for kids, just like a little joke, a little bit in an old episode. And literally the the next week, I get an email from Fangoria and saying, "Hey, we loved our mention on Double Threat." So somebody over at Fangoria has listened to Double Threat. Uh, so it all kind of started there and then we were just talking back and forth and then we got, uh, you guys got to do this article for them. And then now coming full circle, we have the editor in chief of Fangoria. Oh my goodness. Phil Nobile. And we're going to go into the, into the heart of horror when we get back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Please welcome the double threat, the editor in chief of Fangoria Magazine, Phil Nobile. Hi, Phil. Hey, friends. How you doing? Good. You are the editor in chief of the esteemed magazine Fangoria, which has been in publication for how many years now? Forty-two. What? Yes. 1979 the summer of 79 was our first issue and who was on the cover of that first issue well some folks say gohira but you know we yanks would say godzilla okay oh and he's on the new one too now i lost my shirt on this godzilla versus uh king kong <laughs> who did you bet on i bet seven hundred forty thousand dollars on it oh on who I lost which my- one See, I made the mistake. I bet that Godzuki would show up Damn. and beat everybody, and he didn't. But look, that's what happens when you gamble. I learned my lesson. You got no one to hold them and no one to fold them, as Kenny Rogers once said. Um, How many times have you sent Tom Savini's calls to voicemail? Is that a question for Tom or me? It's for you. <laughs> At a certain point, are you like, Tom... We know what you do. We celebrate it. it constantly. We've been in business for 42 years. How many more articles can we write about you? And he's like, I have another pitch. And you're like, what is it? And he says so. And you're like, we did that. We did that, Tom. And he's like, well, why don't we do a, a re- why don't we revisit it? Yeah. I mean, you've got the dynamic backwards. Like, it's hard to get Tom to pick up the phone, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, right. He's like, I made that goddamn magazine. You people are standing on the shoulders of me. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. He's not really that. No. Like I that. made that magazine. Sounds like John Kassir. I've well, hold off on John Kassir for a second. Come Tom on. Savini's like, I made that magazine. When you open it, it spurts blood and it looks like it's from the neck. But that's just because I put a tube in between where the subscription card is usually. It's uncanny. It's an uncanny impression of Tom Savini. <laughs> Tom's a sweetheart. Tom just got hit by a fucking car. Oh, and no. was in the hospital and, like, oh, no. destroyed the car. He's fine, but he's a 74-year-old, like, jacked grandpa. Oh, he, and, uh, no, he I saw him it. recently speak at a, well, recently, I guess, in terms of the last couple of years, but I went to a screening of From Dust Till Dawn, and he was there, and he did an intro, and he was so cool, so, I mean, you'd never, he's ageless, right? Ageless. Sure. sure. I mean, when you talk to guys like Tom and those guys that have been around and do those intros and do those screenings, the tough part is to get them to say anything new because it's, it's, it's like <clears throat> the stories have become calcified in their heads and then they do Q and A's with other people and they've all polluted each other's memory so that there's now this one sort of myth that they all just repeat and getting See, them to break through that. I do an interview with Tom tomorrow. If he says some new shit. That's what I, that's what I was getting at when I said sending him to yeah. voicemail. And that's what I was getting at for you as a as a horror editor there are like the same five stories that we hear over and over and over again the same five takes over and over again <clears throat> and doing this for this long you have to you have to dig deeper how do you do that well i reach out to to unexpected voices like yes Julie Klossner and Tom Sharpley, uh, who are in the new issue i'm so so excited that you guys did that article and thank you in person ish now um, but, you know, we, I took over the magazine in 2018 and that was sort of my whole 
pitch. That's what kind of got me the job. I was like, what who did you, you murder that you <laughs> I, replaced? I, I murdered that pitch. Um, no, the previous, the previous owner had run it into the ground and it had gone, uh, gone fallow for about a year and a half. And so someone else mm-hmm. bought it and uh, approached me about editing it. And I said, well, we need newer, like, what if there's like, what if Paul Thomas Anderson wrote an article about horror? What if uh, Pat Oswalt wrote an article about horror and, and really just kind of open it up. And, and cause the, 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 if you're buying the brand Fangoria, the, the, what you're buying is everyone's nostalgia. You're buying a whole generation's affection for this logo. Right. I had to talk about it, changing the logo by the way. But, um, but what that brings with it is that Pat Oswalt grew up reading Fango. Um, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson grew up reading the magazine and they all, like have this, they didn't know they had it, but on their weird little bucket list in their subconscious, they all wanted a byline in this magazine. Mm-hmm. So I've exploited that for three years. Um, and it's, it's uh, brought me to your doorstep here and you guys, uh, I love your article so much. It was so fun to wow. read. Phil, who has been on the cover more than anyone else? Do you know things like this about Fangoria? I don't, <clears throat> this is a hunch. I haven't done the math, but I'm almost sure it's Freddy Krueger. Freddy. Sure. Yeah. The that old guys sense. told me that when they put Freddie on the cover, it would sell double the issues of any other one. So if you why? look at the old, Why do you think that is? Freddie just hit that market. <clears throat> he became the, the rock star of that, of that uh, generation. Mm-hmm. There was personality to him. Jason was a hockey mask, and people have their favorite Jasons. And there's nuances of Jasons, but Jason couldn't give you a whole lot. Freddie, was, Freddie had a 900 line. Freddie had um, his own TV show. He was a personality and people like really, really flocked mm-hmm. to that. So, do you think it was a combination of like the Borscht belt plus like the gross makeup? Like it was like a combination of like personality plus he's disgusting <clears throat> to look at? Maybe. And I think you, it's interesting you put, paint him as a Borscht belt comedian because I have a lot of queer friends who th- call Freddie a drag queen. They said his his whole routine is drag and camp. Yeah. And um, there's something to that as well. I, yes. I do think I do think that. You know what we call dad jokes now were just jokes. We could call Fred Joe. We could call them yeah, Fred jokes. Freddy jokes. And I think that that generation loved those fucking jokes. And and Freddie just won their hearts. The child molesting, uh, you know, yeah, not so much life. fun. That kind of falls out of the narrative a little bit. I don't remember bit. if he was a molester or a murderer. There's a, f- I mean, a rose never, by any other name. He he yeah. did not do well by children. That's what I know about Freddie. They never used the word molester, but I don't know of any non-sexual child murderers off the top of my head. Let's do a fun list of those. Just kidding. <laughs> Brett, Brett just pulled up something. Sometimes, so Phil, you want to know what's scary? Sometimes producer, our producer Brett, Love Brett. Thanks, Phil. Will do something where he'll start screen sharing without uh, being asked or us being prepared for him to do mm-hmm. it. He'll just I did think something of, was wrong. I thought something was going wrong just now. Well, it is. Well, you're right. Something is going wrong. The prompts and are implicit. It's an implicit prompt that I'm picking up will, on. Kind of vibrations he, in the ether. Consent free. He will. He will ether. start. Oh damn. Tom, do you want to take it from here? No, I'm just saying he said vibrations in the ether. I didn't want that to slide by. Oh, he did? Uh, I didn't yeah. even hear that. No, but I'm glad you didn't. But yeah, no, Brett Brett sees himself as the invisible hand that moves the show that is forward. Often very visible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like when a kid thinks they're invisible because because right. Because they're like a, hiding, they think right, like no one cat, can see them. My cat sometimes like hides his head under a blanket, but the rest of his body is visible. Yeah, sure. 
Brett does not have object permanence is what we're trying to say. (laughs) He's missing a a couple foundational aspects of building blocks, building blocks. Um, so he just pulled up this um, YouTube link of what is what is this, Brett? Well, speaking of not letting things slide by, Phil had mentioned mm-hmm. a Freddy Krueger. Do a transition to that's the other thing about Brett, Phil, speaking that we should let you know wh- about. Speaking of, is he's been over transitioning lately in a way that is not ne- honestly. Before you showed up, Tom said we have a guest coming up, and Brett said, "Speaking of guests, we, we have, have a guest coming up, and yeah. we're and we're we check in on him. His health is fine. Yeah." We're like, yeah. Oh, is or should we be concerned? We speak to his. We we actually have the number of his doctor that yeah. we call and directly. Bre- and Brett, you listen to me right now. You listen good. The only time I want to hear you say "speaking of which" during this episode is if you're talking about a witch, because we've got <laughs> Phil from Fangoria. <laughs> that's the only witch. That's the only speaking of which I want to hear from you for the rest of this show is if you're talking about a mean old witch. Noted. What? What are we about to watch, Brett? So this is uh, uh, Freddy Krueger's 900 number uh, that he used to have um, that uh, that Phil mentioned. And uh, being <laughs> Phil, we also want to apologize for Brett's cats because he has he has two. He thinks he has three. I would rather not explain that. Yeah. He climbs on him. Well, constantly. the explanation is actually pretty easy. No, I got I, Aussie I cats. Which are- I don't have time. I don't have time. Let's hear the Freddy Krueger. Here we go. Happy Halloween, foolish mortals. Freddy Krueger has a special treat for you. Challenge Freddy. Win up to $10,000. Even a chance to appear in the next A Nightmare on Elm Street film. Test your nightmare knowledge. Dial 1-900-860-4FRED. It's probably See like a contest like and Dial now and play Freddy Trivia. But you better look sharp. Freddy doesn't take any prisoners. What a rush. $2 the first minute. $1 each additional minute. Callers under 18. Oh, that's a perfect approximation of the guy who's calling. That guy was like, I'm calling right now. Yeah. And that guy is a customer. That guy's a customer. And he's imagine what he would do to somebody who's not a customer. Um, Phil, how do you think Freddy compares to the Crypt Keeper as a like compa- comparatively as far as like guys cracking jokes and looking gross. I feel like the Crypt Keeper knows he knows that you you even know the punchline and he's giving mm-hmm. you the eye. He's like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say this really bad fucking thing. Here it comes. And, he, you know, and he, and he lets you have it. And he's cornier than Freddy. And I think uh, the Crypt Keeper is a little bit isolated. He doesn't get to interact with anybody. Freddy, Freddy is about that interaction. Freddy, Freddy's he's going to be you a show before he kills you. Yeah. You're the, you know, your 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 audience, his audience are his victims, and the Crypt Keeper is a little safer. I, guess. I, I don't even know what the Crypt Keeper would do to you if you were like, he's keeping the crypt. He's, he's basically he's basically like the guy you when you go to a building and the guy the the, the and you got to sign in to go to uh yeah what floor is uh that uh yeah sixth floor do I have to sign in eh maybe not guy doesn't <laughs> care just lets you go in the elevator. That's what the crib keeper is. He's just a, he's just a, he's a, he's a, it's just attending to the to the proceedings. Phil, yeah. have you ever written to John Kassir or interviewed John Kassir or had John Kassir involved in Fangoria in Great any question. way? No, I have a weird John Kassir interaction at a bar. If you want. Yes, please. Sure. Well, he seems like a nice enough fellow, but he's a very um anonymous looking individual. Um in person. And I didn't know who he was. And he was at a bar at a car convention. He's talking to Zoe Bell. Zoe's that, uh, uh, 
stunt woman actress. From she was Quint, in Death yes. Proof on the hood of the car. And she I was amazed. all about Zoe Bell. I was like, holy of course. shit, Zoe Bell from Death Proof. And my buddy was next to me. My buddy happened to have a Tales from the Crypt hat on. And John Kassir got like really uh, uh, proactive <laughs> about uh, talking to us. Uh, I see. I see why you came over here. Yeah, I see. I see your hat. I see it. And I was like, I thought he was starting a fight with us. And you know, it was it was just awkward because he was like, "Yeah, yeah, you're coming, you're coming to see me, John Kassir. I was like, "No, I want to talk to Zoe Bell, actually." Um, and it was just he he was a little, you know, it was a horror convention, so he was in his element, a little bit of a swing mm-hmm. dick kind of thing going on. Yeah. Seemed like a nice enough fellow, but it was just, I think he thought we knew who he was, and we did. Oh, John Kassir. Brett, do you have his, do you have his email address? Everything for me. That confirms. Brett, yeah, everything. Brett's mad at John Casir because he's tried to get him on the show, and he Brett, paid. He paid to, to email him on Cameo. Brett, literally, the only way he only could way reach him was through him. Cameo. So he had to Yikes. keep. He had to keep he renting paid these money cameos. to email him so John Casir would say, "I'm very busy." Yeah. The other problem is he doesn't sound anything like that. So it was, uh, you know, I had no idea who this gentleman was, and mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know. It was awkward. Do you yeah. have his email address or can you get his email address? I'll work on it. I bet I, I okay. bet I can get, it. you know, I have a, I have a photo shoot for the next issue coming up and I, and I, um, I needed a life-size werewolf in LA and I'm in Philadelphia and I sent out like a mass text to people and I had four life-size werewolves in an hour. So I feel like I could probably get you John Kassir's email. Address. Yeah. Oh, that'd be yes. cool. Mm-hmm. Now you all, you, who, who, uh, in your mind is, the apex because a lot of people are like freddie and they like jason they like michael myers uh who of the horror the the legendary who's baddies who's your, who's your guy who's chucky your guy? i think they all have uh charms and they all have personalities but the one that personally i'm going to show up for every single time is leatherface okay lf Mm-hmm. It is a bastard of a franchise. No two of them are the same, even though the premise is horribly similar. But and there's they don't give a fuck about continuity. Every single one is a sequel to the first one, kind mm-hmm. of, and and it's a it's got a recklessness to it that doesn't feel corporate-y the way some some other franchises get. What is sure. Rob Zombie doing? <laughs> I don't like now, right now, in general with, with his thing. Him. You He's know, there I, isn't he. <clears throat> I don't. I, saw, I, see a, I see a little hat. Why do these inter- people wear their hats and their sunglasses all the time? He and Slash, they love that. You don't need Listen, to answer these if questions. If I could get away with it, I would do that shit. You got you a know, handsome you, face. You show it off. You, know, you don't need you know to hide how disappointed it. people are when they meet the editor of Fango and it looks like me. You oh, do stop, look like a. Phil, come on. I would. I definitely. When you appeared, I was like, definitely like, oh no, this is the right. This is the guy. No, no tattoos. They're like, they're judging me at all mm-hmm. times. Yeah, but you look like you could be in that coven the rosemary's baby coven it, absolutely i got a, I got a, a desperate cassavetes vibe i think that's yes. true yes yeah now um, do you have any are you a horror collector also do you collect memorabilia or props yeah, or why anything don't you like have that? no funko pops behind you oh look at that Ooh. there it is oh, look at that are, is that lf <laughs> i there's leatherface i try to keep i try to keep the zoom thing profesh but yeah i got too much stuff i got a lot of stuff and there's too much of it and when i die my poor wife has a job ahead of her i'll tell you that well look i don't want to i don't want you to give too much away is there anything that you're particularly proud of in your collection Mm. gosh like what is your what is your crowning achievement in your horror memorabilia uh collection 
shit, you're putting me on the spot. I, I'd say it's this, uh, it's this bust of from Dawn of the Dead. So if you know the Dawn of the Dead poster, it's that bald zombie and half of his face is jacked up. Mm-hmm. And so Greg Nicotero, who's the guy who uh, runs Walking Dead and the new Creep Show, show he, he made it. And then I painted it. Okay. And then, uh, and then uh, Tom Savini signed it one day. And it's Savini. sitting over there. And it's, uh, you know, that's, that's the one of a kind thing that I have. I think That's cool. What's the first thing that scared the shit out of you that you like, were like, oh, I can't sleep, mommy, daddy. I can't sleep. Like, like oh my God. There's a pre, there's a pre-memory thing where I, I know the first movie that I saw was The Exorcist at the drive-in. My parents thought I would be asleep in the backseat and that didn't turn out to be the case. So when I watched The Exorcist, there's very primal memories of seeing it through the windshield as a, as a four-year-old. But um, Which parts do you remember? Like which parts specifically? Like Weirdly, it's when she's lying there and the vomit is just sort of streaming out of her mouth and he's soaking, he's soaking it up with his sash. For whatever reason, I remember that vividly. But I had to leave on my 11th birthday. My brother, Cole, God bless him, took me to see American Werewolf in London and I couldn't get past the part with Griffin Dunn with his with his throat torn open, talking in the hospital bed. I had, I started crying and I had to leave. This is fun. I like this. We could do this every week. Tom. <laughs> yeah. I like this. I like talking about sure. scary stuff like that. And you, so, so that was, but what was there still a part of you that was like, Oh, I still want more of it though. Even though that one got the best of me, something there, I, I want to go back and try is again. There like a sadism yeah. or a, a masochism to like, that was upsetting, but I'm still curious about it. It's weird, right? I don't know why the, the next spring I went and saw the thing at, at not quite 12 years old, but um, it, I did keep going back. And I think what, uh, what cured me of being afraid was magazines like Fangoria, where you read about craft and you read about, there's a guy doing this mm-hmm. and his name is Rick Baker. And, and, uh, and it taught me about, the the hand behind the film, so so to speak, I guess. And, sure. And it's where I learned the difference between like good filmmakers and bad filmmakers. Mm-hmm. You'd you'd rent anything, you'd rent all kinds of shit, mm-hmm. at, but you go, oh, this is there's there's choices happening here with George Romero, and it's not it's not a pile of crap. Um, and that was helpful. That so that's why Fangory had such an affection. For, I had such an affection for that brand as a child because mm-hmm. it was a gateway into sort of not being afraid. Do you ever hear from people like me that went to the comic book store to buy Archie's and then saw Fangoria and were like, ah! Somewhat, but it's mostly I hear from people that, you know, sought it out. But did, did it frighten you as a child? Did, did, were there covers? That yeah, I was out? like, gross! Mm-hmm. Ah! Now I'm okay. Yeah. Who who were the first who were the first people you were talking about the behind the scenes when you got to realize who Rick Baker was or Tom Savini was who were the mm-hmm. first people that suddenly like oh that person is maybe my hero because everything I like they seem to make mm, it was George Romero for me okay uh, his movies had the real blue collar quality it felt like they just went and went off and made them and literally that's, that is how he started but he was a commercial uh, filmmaker in Pittsburgh he would make beer commercials and and industrial films and they would raise some scratch and, and go make horror movies in 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 their hometown and their turf and that it felt very handmade and he edited his own films which made it feel very uh you know i didn't know the word at the time but it was it was auteurish it was like his films had a signature to them because he was hands-on for the whole thing sure sure and now julie julie i'm gonna blow your mind for a second Uh dawn of the dead what is a comment on consumerism shut the front door I don't know if you could no, just wrap your head around this. It's a shopping mall. 
And they're walking around. These zombies are walking around just like people shopping. It's like you and me. And shopping, just like you and me. Just like we currently do. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like the life I'm currently living. Oh, no. What did I do? Now that I, I for me, George what Romero I would do, was By the huge. way, what I would do to be in a shopping mall right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love nothing more. Um, if you, I don't know if Brent can find it in time, but the trailer for Dawn of the Dead is so can. insanely on the nose with the narration about what you just said. It's like, yes, we have become the victim of our own excess mm-hmm. and it's, and it will consume us all. And it's very, very, uh, knowing. But that um, was also one of the first times though I had processed that horror could be an allegory for something and could carry different significance uh, other than just gore and and gruesomeness. Yep, and that that's you know I around age twelve I guess is that when that stuff started to connect for me, and that was uh, definitely yeah. one of those movies. And and Dawn of the Dead is like a perfect movie for a twelve year old because the message isn't too complicated and too yeah. obscure to get. It's it's a nice cool horror fairy tale for preteens. I think. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. Oh my God, this movie upset me so much when I was a kid. You know, you know who should do a zombie movie is Aaron Sorkin. To be like, here, this is what this is about. To have like a male character mm-hmm. tell a, a woman, like, um, <laughs> you know, you know what zombies are really like. Yeah, kind of like, uh, like a, do an old walk and talk down the hallway, but really slow, really walk slowly. <laughs> um, Phil, ma'am, do you have a trigger thing that you're just like, oh no, like, um, like, uh. I won't say that this is me, but uh, being buried alive is something mm-hmm. that perhaps someone would just be like, Ixnay on, you know, there's that, like, um, what's that? Does the dog die.com where it has like triggers of, is there, mm-hmm. is there one thing where you're just like, no, 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 or this, this is just what does me in? Um, I, I, there's nothing I won't engage with just to see what they're doing but uh home invasion stuff really freaks me out got it okay yeah that, that's that's yeah everybody has these certain things exactly. that that tap into the like the deeper fear even though you could know it's just a movie and all the stuff yeah it's just you're not scared of the actual of watching the thing but it's it's rattling your innards and yep. that's what makes these things really work is when you can hit somebody's like core thing it's just like oh this is this is this existed before you even cared about movies or whatever even this is in you from from an early age and we're tapping into that's what we're kind of poking at yeah and are there movies that kind of that you're like oh i've never seen that before or are they all just sort of tropes in their own way have you ever seen a horror movie like oh that's a very specific fear that i haven't ever like seen or um I don't know that I can give you a specific example, but I, I feel like anytime I want to just see a whole new palette, it, I go to um, Asian horror. Okay. It's all, it's all very much its own thing. And then, and it doesn't lean on the Western stuff so much. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's often um, just surprising in, in how, uh, how they come at the material. Like what's an example of something. If somebody asks for a recommendation, you'd say, check this out. 
in line with what she's saying yes, here, yeah. um, I would say um, host is a great one or the host, not host, host is a new one. But the the, the gentleman who made Parasite, Bong Joon-ho, um, he's got some great horror movies in his repertoire and, and uh, the host is one of them. And the, the Korean stuff specifically is interesting because it does these very weird tonal shifts where it really gets under your skin and then there's a really emotional part and then they'll take a hard turn into comedy mm-hmm. in, in ways because they, we have, we just have a different grammar for, for uh, genre in the West than, than folks in the East do. And so it's, but I'm not an expert, which is why I go there because I, this stuff hasn't become tropes for me yet. Sure. And it, so, isn't it exciting to see uh, a, a, basically a genre director transcend to the point where they ha- make the best picture? And you see somebody go all the way down the line where they can, but they did it on their own terms. Like, like parasite is not, is, is literally the opposite of a compromise. It's a, it's as singular of a statement as you can make in a movie. Absolutely. And, and there's debates about some people really wanted to call that horror. And I don't, I don't know that I would call that film a horror film, but um yeah, the, the, this, this glacial sort of push toward legitimacy for horror filmmakers has been really interesting to watch in terms of what Jordan Peele's been doing, in terms of just the way some of this bottom feeder stuff, these slasher in the woods movies that, that we used to get yelled at for renting is now um, aspirational. Like David Gordon Green was in the Criterion Collection before he was 30. And at the height of his you know, uh, pull in Hollywood, he was like, I'm going to make three Halloween movies. That's crazy yeah. to me. That that this is these are gigs now that people aspire to. What about these Blumhouse joints, Phil? <laughs> Blumhouse, I can't say anything bad about Blumhouse. Are you kidding me? Did you, you see Freaky? I liked Freaky. I liked Freaky a lot. It was written by a friend of mine named Michael Kennedy, and uh, it's what I like about Freaky is it's got that mean '80s nihilism. It's really really gory, but it's also just got like a lot of heart. It's almost closer to some of the things I was just saying about in with the Asian films where they get into the emotion of stuff and then get really, really gnarly with their kills too. And is that Although Christopher, Michael, is that Christopher Landon? Christopher Landon. Yeah. And he had been sort of doing these PG things that I thought were a lot of fun. Happy, happy death. I, day I love both of, happy death day oh, movies. Tom loves happy death day. And the They're second, the second one is basically the horror movie equivalent of back to the future part two. Absolutely. It's crazy. It's a strange sci-fi time, uh, like quantum physics movie yep. that, but wrapped around the first, uh, installments, uh, horror. And it's really a challenge for there to be any kind of PG 13 horror movie that is uh, in any way effective. And I feel like both of his movies have been really entertaining and you almost wouldn't notice that they're not rated R. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, just the scorekeepers. There's a lot of scorekeepers and gatekeepers in horror who are mad and about a lot PG of, and horror. only one crypt keeper, only one crypt hey, keeper. There what it is. <laughs> Ghouly. <laughs> yes. Hi, uh, yes, Tom, Tom, Tomb. <laughs> Tomb. Oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's, there it is. Tomb, Tomb Sharpening and Tomb. Julie Klausner. Yes. Tomb. Yeah. No, I love it. So that's, um, yeah. This is so fun. I love I talking about some horror. blood feud between you guys and John and the Crypt Keeper. Like what? Yeah. No, we wanted him on the show. Members? We wanted him on the show oh, and Lord. he froze us out. So we, we were, we're a little Brett sore. literally paid to hear no, I'm busy. 
Two letters. N O. Damn. Meanwhile, Brett's out four hundred dollars. The only thing people like more than horror is talking about horror tropes, I think. Mm. And there are so many, like, I mean, I, I'm definitely guilty of it. I love the Eli Roth show, the history of horror shows they've done for a couple of years now. And I've listened to the podcast and, um, and I know that there are so many clip shows that talk about best moments or, you know, go by theme. And Brett is kind enough to have done a little bit of research on some clip shows that you yourself are featured in on occasion, true or false. I don't know. Maybe. Have you, have you done, have you, have you done Eli Roth show? No, I've not spoken to Eli Roth. I don't know. I feel like, uh, are you scared? Are you scared? I'm afraid of Eli Roth. Um, (laughs) no, I just, that's, uh, not something I got invited to, but, uh, I have done like some eighties horror thing. Well, you Uh, know who has, we're about to find out, Brett. You want to take it from here? It. Well, yeah. Well, I've got some clips from uh, from from uh, a similar one. Bravo's um, uh, 100 scariest movie moments, mm-hmm. and uh, we just since we have a, a an expert, a horror journalist, horror commentator on, we, we wanted to get your commentary on other horror commentators. Mm. Um, so uh, <laughs> this is uh, Bravo's 100 scariest movie moments. I got a couple clips queued up here. This first one is uh, a couple different people talking about Child's Play. Um, so, uh, we're going to start off with sort of the, the sort of serious part of the commentary, the, the director, um, and then we'll, we'll get into the actual commentaries in a second. So here we go. Don was very influenced by the fact that Madison Avenue was programming these dolls to be your best friend. So the whole killer doll, um, device, you know, which of course had been used before, but I realized that it had never been done in such a way that you could treat the doll of, as a full-fledged character. Chucky. Child's play. Debbie Madinopoulos. What child in their right mind would want to play with a doll that looks like Chucky? My son, John when his little boy, saw the poster for Child's Play, and that gave nightmares. Brad Dorff says, Well, that explains a lot. Great. That is fair. Well, there you go. There's there's Max Landis's origin story. Chucky, I'm going to kill you. The animatronics were amazing in that. Catherine Hicks. You just see him scurrying like a, yeah. like a rat. That doll. That could scare the hell out of anybody. There's a presumed innocence with small things. And then when they turn on you, yeah. you know, even though he was all but the course light twins, how many inches tall, he was the scariest, meanest, most vicious, violent <laughs> doll. Okay. Uh, so I just want to watch the course light twins do like a mystery science theater thing on all, the, the whole canon of horror. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, obviously, so I've made these things. I'm making one right now for Shudder where it's it's folks talking about different horror icons. And now I'm, I'm kicking available. this off. I, I know, I'm I didn't, available. I, great. Now you tell me. Listen, I'm going to call you. We're going to work this out. I'm not largely in post on it, but we're going to work it out. But they're obviously just cutting for rhythm and cutting so that you're seeing an attractive person every 10 seconds or uh-huh. so. Okay. I think I think that that's sort of the the, the, the tail that's wagging that particular dog. So they, I, I don't, and there's, you know, I don't disagree with it. I, I, I think that there's a real limited um, result to, to talking to just 
crusty old filmmakers mm-hmm. telling those stories that we just talked about that they all already know by heart. They're just repeating them like a like a right. like we a wind up. We want to hear bell. what yeah. Debbie Matinopoulos and the Coors Light Twins have to say. I might have gone a little different with that, but you know, like uh, so. When my show, I don't want to spill too much, but you know, no, spill um, it, spill it. So I got Exclusive. like the, I got like the Belay Brothers to come on. You know, the the, the oh, very the cool host Dragula. You know, to mix it up a little bit. Matt Gorley uh, and Paul Rust are are on my show. Like very cool. They're they're just you need people who have personality and and uh, and are animated and You're aren't just tired making me angrier that I wasn't asked. But keep going. Listen, there's what? Still, there's still time. Doesn't I sound like it. Thing. You said you were no, in, he's post. in post. He's Largely going in post. To, I will send a cameraman to your house. You You're going to get killed with a post. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not my best. I'm tired. <laughs> Um, so I get the logic behind the Coors Light Twins and Debbie Matinopoulos. The the pitfall is that that looks like it was maybe 15 years ago. And yeah. but 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 you know who's still on uh, a history of horror, which is this year and last year, is still a famed and in heavy circulation commentator is Mr. John Landis. Do you think that's weird? It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, a little weird. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. I also want to just say, Chucky, the easiest one to beat. How did anybody not be able to beat up, fight back with Chucky? You're gonna be, you deserve what you get if Chucky gets you. You know who said that on the show I'm doing now? Who's that? Tom Savini. Well, me and Tom Savini, (laughs) the Toms are in alignment on this. The Tom Tom Club. If I saw Mm -hmm. Chucky, first I just whip a can of soda at his head. Right. Just like it just just like from like from like far away. I just start whipping cans of soda at him. Like you just go yeah. buy like a 24 pack thing of Coke. It's like five dollars. Start whipping cans. I'd hit him at least five times in the head. Then I would just rush at him and then Kung Fu kick him. He's hard to stop is the problem. You can do that, but you're going to run out of cans of Coke. And you're going to run out of energy. He keeps going is the problem. Chucky's got a very Terminator energy to him. In he's those got movies. that little they, knife, too. That's not scary. They burn him, and he's this crispy skeleton crawl, still crawling towards you. There's an unstoppable thing with Chucky. Yeah. I will say that the reason why John Landis is an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Can I even come back after? No, <laughs> you can't. This is important for you to hear. Okay. Is that he's not only behind some horror movies. But he He's himself yes, is a, has created uh, many horrors, yes. not including his son, Max. But he actually is responsible for <laughs> decapitating two people. I mean, it's the worst kind of way. It's, it's the worst kind of murder. Anyway, that so. guy has no business not being can Of all the things to be canceled for, you'd think. Anyway, the point is I'm available. Uh, I've uh, killed no one. Yet. Except her audiences with her comedy. Right. Is that a transition? Because it sounds like it is. It sounds like you're about to transition. Are you going to transition to something? Yes. uh, Speaking of. um, (laughs) Speaking of transitions, uh, this transition (laughs) is uh, back into the segment we were just doing. I got one more clip for you. uh, And this is a a bunch of people from that same show uh, talking about uh, Blue Velvet. uh, David Lynch's Blue Velvet. And you have to. And just so you know, Phil, like this show bravo's 100 scariest moments i guess it did very well because they have like they just kept making yeah. more so they like Weird ran sequels. out of yeah they ran out of commentators and then they were also just like i don't know is 
to die for with Nicole Kidman? Is that something? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Down to the scariest movie moment of all time. Oh, the 666. <gasps> you're gonna pay! You're gonna pay! Psychological terror to me is much more frightening than Ashley Lawrence. You know, something in the closet. A little bit of insanity. Completely out of Mental time. disturbance. Rob Riggle uh, and Rob A little Pugel. bit of sadism. Some, some nitrous oxide. A little nitrous oxide. Yeah. Um, and you're in business. David Lynch is just the master of like showing how the lucky towns are really, really screwed up underneath. Kyle McLaughlin is kind of living in this squeaky clean, cleaver-esque Americana world. I except one morning, he finds an ear. In his yard. It gets very frightening when things get out of control. Things are not what you bargained for. Oh, the character of Dennis Hopper terrified me. Just the thought. Olivia Hussey. Uh, you know, the life of your child depends on you pleasing this maniac. He takes a power pull off of this whatever it is, super juice, and he goes ballistic every time, whether it's making love or beating people down. Dennis Hopper sucking on the ether. That's scary. He's in the closet and he's watching Dennis Hopper and just, it's so scary. It's so psychotic. Hopper and a magic go-go juice. I want to get some of that. Right, now, yeah, Frank Booth, I know I could beat up Chucky. Frank Booth would destroy me. That would <laughs> be scary. I'd be no match. Because you can't figure out somebody like that. That's what's as scary about him as anything is that it's just like it's a different thing every 30 seconds. Mm. When he said mommy. It's as it's as terrifying as it gets. He rules. Uh, those those shows that are like panning for gold. I mean, it's and, and it's clear that they have a narration, and it's like here's people you recognize going. That part was crazy. Mm -hmm. But I like just in that clip, I wanted an hour of Olivia Hussey talking about the history of cinema right now. Sure. And what what, what notes would you have given uh, Rob Hubel uh, and Rob Riggle? Oh no notes! You, you, you they, I've had those interviews happen. You, you let them go. You, you figure out how much of it you can use. He's, he's a lot. So, so there's some gold in there somewhere, but a little bit might go a long way, is what you're saying. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, I and we're friends with these guys. We, you can say, you can say this is a, this is. Fun. Yeah, I'm not friends. You're friends with them, but uh, we're friends with yeah. them. Yeah. So <laughs> she did. Phil, when you sure. think of horror. Who would be on your Mount Creep more? <laughs> of of uh, it works, Julie. You think about it, Mount. What should it be then, Mount Bloodmore? I don't know, Bloodmore. Yeah, and Splatmore, Mount Crushmore, Mount Gushmore, Gushmore. Mount Gushmore. Nope, that's another thing. Mount Rushgore. And who might be exactly Mount, there it is. Uh, there Mount it Rushgore? Is, is it? Thank you. you She's got, got it. it. She got us there. So what would? Because and also just thinking of all horror like like surprising like frank booth is a surprising one to consider for something sure but that would keep him off the top five probably okay. so your 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 rush gore is is your your classics of um karloff in some capacity 
Okay. Karloff is such a, a touchstone for so much. Um, okay. Norman Bates is the the twisted godfather of every slasher that came after him. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like you need a, like an actual monster in there. I might go. I might go American Werewolf. Okay. Something very special oh, about I, that do, design. Why not just John Landis? Why don't not just have it get those <laughs> big down. glasses? Uh, get those big glasses on there. On. A beard. You could make the beard out of moss if it's a mm-hmm. if, if it's a rock of some kind. Mm-hmm. You could. And also <laughs> with this creature from the Black Lagoon, if you don't want to mess with this guy, don't go to the Black Lagoon. Tom's obsessed with kicking the it's guy, very the, the creature. He he really he he's not afraid of this. This is what I would do. Lagoon. I go to the yeah. Black Lagoon. I throw a toaster into the Black Lagoon, <laughs> a plugged-in hair dryer, throw it into the Black Lagoon. Yeah, there you go. You got zapped. Isn't that, I think that's now we're a having point of the film. we're having creature from it. the Black Lagoon burgers for dinner tonight. <laughs> would they be? Wouldn't they be croquettes? Because he's fish. Yes, they would be croquettes. <laughs> Filet, nice salmon, yeah, or like alligator, have, fried yeah. alligator. I bet he, I bet he tastes like alligator. Yeah, go get me Who some else? breading, a nice rubber glaze, perhaps. Oh my god, oh, that would be the most disgusting thing, Brett. If Brett used some glazes and rubs on the creature from the Black Lagoon, and we had, and he had us over for dinner after quarantine, we're all vaccinated, yeah. we're all in the same room for the first time. Go, oh, what a treat! Mm, this nice is good. Potato. What is this? Uh, actually, it's Lagoon. funny. It's the creature from the Black Lagoon. So, Man. who else? I didn't mean to interrupt you, Phil. Who else is no, on your I Mount Rushmore? I think I was at four. How many do I need? Five? I don't know. How many presidents are on? Who's a contemporary? Thing? Who's a contemporary character that you would put on it? Right now, today, the- Babadook. Okay. Babadook, because because Babadook took off beyond his 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 film. He became a, a symbol. He became a meme. He's he became a queer icon. An accidental queer icon. I think that's kind of uh, cool about about that that it that it organically turned into something that it wasn't meant to be at all. Baba Duke. Baba Duke. Yeah. One of my crowning achievements on this planet will be when I worked on what we do in the shadows, and I suggested we have a Baba Book was the <laughs> was a character who was from Staten Island who was yes. there. Hey, I'm the Baba Book. What's up? Oh my God. This needs to happen immediately. This is well, a, it, ha- it did happen. It lost. did happen. It was on the TV show, Phil. We filmed it. You this did. Happened. This there. happened. All on, downhill. On what we do in the shadows. Yeah, happened already. Did I miss this episode? You might oh have. Uh, I don't know. Sounds amazing. So anyway, I, I got a question for Phil. Can I ask a question? A hard Sir, question. Of course. Uh, are you a, a, a midsummer or hereditary? Which one do you like better, midsummer or hereditary? Hereditary. You like the, in the dark yeah. or in the light? Come which on, is your fa- Phil. Which is your Make the right decisions. Yeah, I mean, I thought Midsummer was fascinating, but Hereditary fucked me up. Hereditary is the one. Hereditary like gave me actual mm-hmm. nightmares. I felt bad after I watched it. Uh, it, it. It changed my mood for two days. I ain't never seen yeah. it, and I'm scared to see it. Oof. I don't know. I don't know two things about it. Except, except that the kid I worked with on uh, divorce was the kid in it. But I will say this about uh, horror. horror. Sometimes the scariest thing is the newspaper. 
Okay, let's let's transition into the thing we're all right. Speaking of the newspaper, speaking of unexpected, yeah, so actually I got one. Speaking of unexpected sources of horror, we got one more segment for you, um, and it is uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do a little cross promotion here, a little crossover with the uh, the article that Tom and Julie did for Fangoria, which by mm. the way we're not gonna give away the whole boat because you you want that you got to go buy the magazine. So you go to shop.fangoria.com. You can pick up uh, an issue. Why not pick up a whole subscription because this this magazine. I was saying this earlier. I'll say it again. Yeah, this magazine is so great. And it just it's keeps so cool better. to have a magazine. It's yes. so cool to have it truly a magazine. Yes. Look at how beautiful yeah. it looks. I like it's it. So I like great. It it's so great. It gives and, uh, me nostalgia. It's beautiful. Mm. It's all colors. Reminds me of heavy metal. Reminds me of the 80s. Look at us. It's us you know, in print. You know who doesn't have, you know who can't hold up copies of that? Me and Julie. You don't have them yet? They're no. on the way. They're on the way. They are on the way. They are on the yeah, way. So is Christmas. I can't wait. <laughs> so is Christmas. Yeah, look, you got your uh Sunset oh, Boulevard. Look Incredible. at that. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Incredible. this is so cool. Um, but also, uh, this Tuesday, well, I don't know when this is going live, but as of April 20th, Barnes & Noble will have them on the shelves, too. What? Oh, that's awesome. There that's you very go. very exciting. Congratulations. Look at this. This is nice. We mm. like this. These are good things. Mm-hmm. Magazines, print, bookstores, all that yes. jazz. And Julie, so I look- Fangoria. Sorry, go ahead. No, you go, Brent. Um, so, uh, the, the, as we've been saying, the article that Tom and Julie did, they, they, they picked the, the top 10, um, most horrifying moments from non horror movies. So kind of unexpected sources of horror. Um, so we're going to look at a couple of those, um, and then you can go to get the magazine to see the rest of them. Uh, we also solicited listener submissions and got a lot of great submissions. Um, and so this is a lot of, uh, like a lot of submissions from like children's movies, kind of unexpected sources of horror in children's movies or, uh, unexpectedly sort of awkward scenes that are so excruciating. They become horrific. Um, and, uh, the one we posted on Twitter, you can go watch is the, uh, the breakfast scene, the opening breakfast scene <laughs> from never ending story, uh, where the dad is chugging a, a, uh, orange and egg smoothie and, and oh. sort of, uh, minimizing the impact of the, of Bastion's mother's death. It's a, a truly horrifying scene. Uh, the first one I want to look at though, that's on Twitter. You can go check that out at double threat pod. Uh, but the first one we're going to look at is from a sunset Boulevard. And we actually, when we when we put this out to listeners, we got a lot of um, people bringing up Sunset Boulevard. Uh, some people mentioned the monkey funeral. Some people mentioned just the closing scene of Gloria Swanson going into the into the camera. Um, but the one that uh, that Julie picked, uh, which is truly horrifying, is when Gloria Swanson impersonates Charlie Chaplin. Um, <laughs> Tom, you know so, this flick. You know I mean, this I've flick. Seen Tom? This. I've seen it. I haven't seen it in a while. You know this part where I like don't remember it. she's like trying to seduce. Holden and she's like, oh, he'll love this. Sorry, Brett, go ahead. Here we go. This is uh, from about midway through Sunset Boulevard. What's the matter with you, darling? Why are you so glum? Things are matter. I'm having a great time. Show me some more. All right. Give me this. I need it for a mustache. Now close your eyes. Close them. Open your eyes. <laughs> No. <laughs> Tom, I need you to make no. keep your eyes open, Tom. I'll put toothpicks in them. That's it. That is Ooh. mental Ooh. stuff is the scariest stuff. Whose choice was that was that was Julie's, right? Yeah. That was Julie's choice. Yeah. yeah. When did we go for as a culture from calling them mustache, mustache to mustache? She goes, I need this for a mustache. 
Yeah, we the, call them we yeah we call them mustaches. We call them mustaches. <laughs> I think it would have been less upsetting if she put that on and just acted up like acted like Hitler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phil, Phil, who is a non horror maker or actor uh, uh, that you would like to see take the? Did you think would be great if they took the leap into horror? Oof. Well, there's a very famous SNL sketch where they, it's a trailer of Wes Anderson doing a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a pull quote from Fangory on there. And the quote is Defoe. So, <laughs> uh, uh, people have been clamoring for that one since. Um, gosh, living or dead? Contemporary? Any, any. Any, any. any first thoughts. First any. things that come to mind. Paul Thomas Anderson, what would that be? Horror. He's already done horror in his own way. Yeah, I think it's all horror adjacent right there. And um, gosh, you know, Tom Ford has made two movies. The, the fashion designer has made two movies. And the second one he made, is it called American Animals, I think? Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals. Yeah. And that film really unsettled me and made me yeah. think that if he'd ever decided to make a full-on horror movie, he would crush it. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my pick. No, that's cool. That's, that's really cool. That's yeah. Uh, next up, we've got uh, one of Tom's picks for this list, and this is a little spoiler alert here, but this film's been out for a long time, so uh, you know you've had a chance to watch it by this point. This is the ending of Time Bandits. Oh. The, uh, the ending of Time <laughs> oh, Bandits. Gosh. This is what started it, mate. Left the Sunday joint cooking all night, didn't we? Sunday joint? It's Thursday. I never touched it. Well, someone put it on. Well, there was no meeting there last night. Oh! Well, what do you call this, then? Mum! Dad! It's evil! Don't touch it! credits right that's it and now george harrison song starts <laughs> could you imagine that ending anything now them being like yeah we're gonna end the movie like that the parents blow up and then like i will just say that i anyone that endures a tragedy of having both parents die in front of them at least should be mitigated by the comfort of sean connery winking at them <laughs> yeah i felt better i just well uh, apparently they so showed sad. it to like test audiences or something and like all the kids cheered. Wow. <laughs> so they're like, all right, it works. Like, I think that it was one of those things where you just, if, if kids decided they're like, yeah. And then they grow up and they're like, Oh no, I guess it, it depends on what your feelings are to your parents. Yeah. It's, it's just such a crazy movie anyway. Like there's some weird, like sexy stuff with Michael Palin, like, Tied mm-hmm. to a tree or something that like got me very excited at one point. Yeah, it, do, it does feel like that one snuck through. I mean, yeah. I don't know how that ended up at the multiplex when I was twelve, but I remember watching that and going, "How the fuck did this happen?" This all seems like Terry Gilliam being like, "And then it's every <laughs> child's dream to have their parents explode, right?" And you're like, "Oh." And so- I also looked online. I figured out 
There's actually a list. Of the do you know Phil? Do you know what who was on the cover of the worst selling issue of Fangoria? No, but it's probably one of mine. Uh, wow. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Do you um, know what movie was on the cover? No, Annie. Annie. You know. You know. Fango no, was like. I made. I made. That <laughs> <laughs> I know I knew you were making it up because I know Annie wasn't on the cover, but you know, the first six or seven issues were really fucking weird. Like we had C3PO on the cover of issue six and mm-hmm. uh Spock on issue four, I think. So was they it did, initially was there a was the parent company also Starlog connected? Correct. It was owned by Starlog and they uh they decided they were gonna do this offshoot and Fangoria was actually called Fantastica. Until a month, until a month before it went to print, somebody sued them, and so they had to pivot and suddenly called it Fangoria. Okay, which I think was meant to be a truncation of Phantasmagoria. Sure, sure. So what what I'm getting at is what you're hearing is like a more fantasy and just you know spectacle, and and it wasn't just horror. And then um, when I said Savini built the magazine, because issue one had an article about his effects in Dawn of the Dead, and that was what got all the fan mail. So they heard them. And eventually by issue nine or seven, I think it was just pure horror. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Some no, no, that's, 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 no, that's I very, love this. Is no, that's very interesting. I love this. That's I do love this. Fantastica, Fantastica. Right up until a month before its premiere. And then at some point the marketplace said, no, there's, yeah. there's a calling for something that leans all the way into the, the horror. And yeah. cause I mean, if you think about it, the tradition of, of uh horror magazines you have your uh, your uh, famous monsters and mm-hmm. and what other ones were big uh or were just like a lot of fanzines also yeah castle were, of frankenstein and mm-hmm. uh the monster times was actually printed on newsprint back then mm-hmm. and uh there was maybe uh gosh i think that there was like cine fantastique but again not not pure horror but not pure but just to go all the way in and also to say like you're gonna you want gore, you're gonna get gore when you buy this magazine. It's just like you're gonna you're see a, you're the a, stuff. You're a you're a fan of gore, you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they leaned into that fan and gore and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, to me, what, what attracted me over the other magazines over say Cine Fantastique, which was a very sort of heady, sort of uh intellectual quote unquote, was that Fangoria had a national lampoon energy to it. The the guy that they hired to edit it didn't really he wasn't a horror fan per se. And so he, his writing and his coverage of the stuff was very irreverent. He covered a Friday the 13th movie and just literally talked shit on the franchise for the first two pages before cool. like committing to like, you know, covering his film. So I, I liked that it wasn't so worshipful. I sure. liked that it was a little irreverent and it was kind of just uh, taking the piss a little. But, but clearly event, and I'm sure the, that at some point, then it's just people who grew up loving the magazine, start running the magazine. That's like yep. that. And you are the, you are one of those people. You're the latest person who loved Fangoria to the degree where you have, you work for Fangoria. Keeping yeah. you alive. Weird, a weird call to get. And uh, I, I was producing nonfiction television at the time and said sure i'll I'll do that yeah that'll that'll be an improvement (laughs) yep 
Brett. So, Brett, do we have uh, yeah. submissions from our pals? Yeah, so so those were just two out of the ten selections that Tom and Julie made for the most horrifying moments from non-horror movies uh, to to uh, read their commentary on those two and then to, to find out what the other eight are, uh, go to shop.fangoria.com or go to your local Barnes & Noble starting uh, when, when this episode is out uh, to pick up the latest copy of Fangoria. Um, uh, but we also got some great listener submissions. Uh, this first one is from friend of the show, Michael Kupperman, uh, who did the logo of the show. Um, and this was a common thread. A lot of people were were uh, sending in uh, clips from like children's programming from when they were kids, weird moments from children's programs that stuck mm. with them. Uh, this comes from um, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the famous uh, stop motion animation uh, film from the 60s uh, that gets you know replayed kind of every year, I think still during Christmas. Uh, and in this scene, um, Yukon Cornelius, the explorer and uh, Hermie, the elf, uh, who this is important detail, who who wants to be a dentist. Uh, Hermie <laughs> and Yukon Cornelius uh, encounter the abominable snowman and uh, Hermie puts his uh, dentist skills to use. Uh, oh, so no. Here is uh, this scene. weather you've been having <laughs> the snow and ice <laughs> all right dentist you take it from here it's yukon cornelius Ta-da! in person we're saved let's get out of here i'll light the way why, blast your hairy bumble hide. Don't let this big blowhard scare you anymore. Just walk right past him. Oh, I don't like that. Wait, is, this, is this something that like people watch every year? Or people I've never seen I've never seen this. I'm Jewish, but uh, is this like a thing that people are aware of, or has it been edited out of the annual airing? No, this is in. I remember watching this as a kid every year. This is this is in the in the movie every year. Are you serious? Um, yeah, and 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 it was a little uh, it, it was a little visual. So what we just saw was uh, Hermie the dentist elf removed all of the. You don't see it it's off screen, but he removes all of the abominable snowman's teeth so that <gasps> uh, they can escape him. He just. <gasps> pulls out all of his teeth and then you see him uh, surrounded by teeth. Oh my God. And you're like, Oh, it's off screen. It's okay. You're like, okay, Quentin Tarantino. I still know his fucking ear was cut off. That's yeah, pretty Ooh. gruesome. Uh, that upsets me. No bueno. The, the, the monster wasn't bugging nobody. Don't go to him. Leave him alone. Oh, Have these monsters with him. Doesn't Have- that monster get like Stockholm syndrome or some shit? Because like he becomes his pal. Yeah. How much? Yeah. Right. How much He's tooth stuff is in horror movies, Phil? A lot of tooth stuff. Uh, teeth. You tooth. know more than more than I need. I don't like tooth stuff. I'll tell you that. And, yeah. Uh, what is an area that is upset? You know what upset me, Phil and Julie and Brett, uh, was the the, uh, the uh, Guillermo del Toro when he had the devil's backbone, and they he he like he literally said when he's making, he's like, we wanted to figure out where somebody could get stabbed that would uh, really upset people and then he had to get stabbed in the armpit oh and you're just like oh gucci 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 go (laughs) is what he would say if it were a (laughs) gucci gucci gore the two the two thing that i loved in horror 
in Cronenberg's existence, there's a, they're in a, like a VR video game and they build the guy, Jude Law built a, a gun out of the bones of a fish that he's been served in a restaurant. And he pulls out a molar and the, <sighs> and the molar becomes the bullet. And so it's this tooth gun. So Cronenberg's just like, this is like the other side of what Canadians are like, right? I mean, yeah. it's my primary understanding of Canadians as a guy who grew up in horror. I assume they're all but like Canadians are like, oh, I'm sure sorry. And like they're, you know, talking like a <laughs> lamppost. And then the next thing you know, they're like, what if eyes were butts and butts yeah. were, you know? Yeah. <laughs> also an armpit thing with Cronenberg. In Marilyn Burns, she becomes this sort of vampire with this thing that comes out of her armpit. She embraces a guy and this thing comes out with a barb and, and stabs him and sucks his blood. Mm -hmm. I like on. Videodrome. I like sure. that movie. Mm-hmm. My friend is in that. Who? James, James Woods? Woods. Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Woods. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Um, no, it, well, who, Phil, who is somebody in horror? And you don't have to, you don't have to drag him or blast him or whatever. Where, who's somebody where it, it's legendary? It doesn't do it for you. Oh, man. Why is this podcast trying to get me in trouble? All no, we're not. not. We're not. This is just in trouble. God damn. This, um, is, this is the nuance. You don't have to. You don't have to drag the person. You can just say like, "Oh, that's that doesn't scare me." Or oh, but it maybe actually, Tom. Though maybe in the fan world, that's just like equivalent of like. Yeah. You know what I mean, well, somebody I, will hear this and not, get mad at me. It's not um, meant. It's not meant. It's not in that spirit. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. We're not trying to get you in trouble. Mm. I I will have. To, I'm going to comp out a little bit, but I will say all that right. kaiju movies, Godzilla movies, and stuff, not. Not my bag. Okay. That's I don't understand the stakes of them. I don't understand. Right, I, don't, right. I don't vibe with the aesthetic of them. I really enjoyed this last one because mm -hmm. it was just like this weird coked up like wrestling match, which was, you know, yeah, fun. Um, but the, the traditional kaiju is not my thing. Sure. Now that that's a fair answer. I heard Eli Roth. That's what he just said. Mm -hmm. He's hostile to hostile. Hey, I liked I liked Eli Roth's Green Inferno, which he got a lot of trouble for. Is that the one with the friggin' fingers and the chili? I don't I don't know if there was chili, but he there's uh, chili. They're like, oh no, your friend's fingers in this chili, and you're like, what is going on here? That's gonna be me at Terlingua. Maybe the, the bear Jew. Maybe you got another <laughs> clip, Brant? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got I got two more for you here. Uh, this the second to last one here. Um, uh, this is, uh, from the movie, uh, cocktail, uh, with Tom Cruise. So this was truly, I love this cause this is truly unexpected horror. Um, but this is a, uh, and this is from, um, let's see, uh, Paul Packler on Twitter at Paul Packler. Um, and this is a scene in which, uh, Tom Cruise performs a poem, uh, on top of a bar, uh, <laughs> called the last bar man and buckle up. Three levels of a bar, three levels, and they can't, everybody is cheering for the bartender. <laughs> like, like I've seen bands at Terminal 5 with that has levels and no one will pay attention to the band that they paid $40 to see. Okay. I want to see where this goes. That's all I want. 
world's last barman poet. Give us a kiss, you sexy beast! I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach. The schnapps made from peach. The velvet hammer. The Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth, the pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy, the iced tea, the kamikaze. Oh, my God, he's mad. The orgasm. Oh, hands up, I'm about to die. The death spasm. The Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, shot. Why don't you just order a shot? Shot. I knew. I knew it. Oh, that is Denise. 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 The piece. <clears throat> that is a, a madman. Rant. I have a theory. Like, what's your theory? He has no idea if any of those drinks he names are actual drinks or not. The real Tom say, Cruise never heard of those fucking drinks in his life. I would say he never has had them and doesn't know that they exist or not. Sure. None of that is. Yeah. That's the word orgasm one. also true. He has no idea if an orgasm actually exists. Oh, that is a weird clip. Keep, oh, yeah, keeping yeah. his thetans strong. <laughs> He's, yeah. He is keeping he his thetans strong. rules. Denise, the peace. Oh, you're going to give me that cherry pie, sweet mama baby. It's Frank T.J. Mackey warming up. Yeah, he was getting ready mm-hmm. for Magnolia. That ruled. That was great. Thank you yeah. for sending that. That was terrifying. Awesome. We've terrifying. all seen that now. Uh, and the last clip we've got, uh, we another big genre of clips that were submitted. And make sure you go to Double Threat Pod. Follow us if you're not already following us on Twitter and Instagram. And you can see a whole thread with tons of people chiming in with great clips. Uh, I wish I could show them all. But this last one, there was a lot of... Um, uh, sort of like psychedelic clips that people sent in, like little psychedelic moments in movies, uh, usually from the 60s or 70s that that kind of stuck in people's head. Uh, and um, we had like um, the scene from uh, Magical Mystery Tour where John Lennon's like, sp- oh, like shoveling spaghetti off the, off yeah. the floor. Um, and uh, there was like a dream sequence in uh, one of the old Herbie movies that somebody sent in that's really trippy. Uh, but this scene comes from uh, the movie Skidoo. Uh, Skidoo. Oh, Carol Channing. Uh, Ooh, and no. um, Skidoo Jackie is. Jackie Gleason, Carol Channing. Groucho LSD. Marx. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, LSD is definitely the headliner. You're right. That's a good point. They get top billing. LSD is the top billing. <laughs> And if you haven't heard of Skidoo, quick little summary here. Tough Tony Banks, which is Jackie Gleason. Tough Tony Banks is a malcontented mobster who is perpetually at odds with his wife, Flo, played by Carol Channing. Uh, when Tony receives an unusual assignment from a crime lord known as God, played by Groucho Marx, he reluctantly accepts and must get himself arrested and incarcerated in order to kill an imprisoned convict. But Tony's mission gets completely derailed when he accidentally takes acid and has a mind-expanding experience that leads to an ambitious escape plan. And this is the moment uh, when the acid is kicking in for old tough Tony. I'm scared. You need not be frightened. Just remember... Wherever you go, you're still here. Reach. Reach. Oh, tough Tony, 
The time has come to seek out the clear light. The light is the flame of your life. Your energy is the life process. Do not fear it. Good back then, you know. Otto Wait, Preminger, were they? Mm-hmm. Otto Preminger. And I'll put all these clips up on our uh, social media, so make sure you follow us there for these Ooh. clips. Now that now, is, someone really find those scary. They're sending what? you that and saying that scared me. Come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I've been scared of stuff when I'm high. That's like. I mean, has anyone seen Skidoo like not high? You know what I mean? Like there's no, <laughs> there's no person. way that you're, I remember once I was with someone and they tried to sync up Dark Side of the Moon with Wizard of Oz and I think it got like literally to the like, and I was just like, nope, <laughs> but it, that's drugs. That's not the movie. You know what scared me as a kid was the. The first thing that scared me now that I think about it was Trilogy of Terror was when I was mm. a kid. Do people mention that to you, Phil? Yeah, the Zuni fetish doll and yeah. Karen Black. With Karen you Black. Scared at, you were scared at how fucking awesome Karen Black is. Karen Black oh, and how underrated around. she was. She's getting she's an oh underrated queen. And she's terrifying. Um, yeah, the do- that doll comes up a lot. Any any conversations about killer dolls, you got to kind of t- kick it back to. Well, and then there's Taki Tina is so much scarier than Chucky. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't move. She just has that voice. Yeah, but she she's in, she's has intent. Mm. I still feel like when it comes to scary dolls, my favorite is the current the current champion is my favorite, Annabelle. Annabelle. It was based on a true story, and and you see the real doll, and it's just a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah, that's the whole thing Ooh. is that it was a Raggedy Ann doll in real life, and they can't use Raggedy Ann for that. So they. What make do you it mean by true story? The well, couple that it's based, the couple that's based on were, were, uh, ghost researchers, horror or whatever, whatever, what do you call them, Phil? Paranormal researchers, maybe. Par- yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Accurately, it would be based on a story that two people said was true, but I don't know if that's the yeah, truth. The two people it <laughs> yeah. was based on. <laughs> and also it's like you go in their house and then they're like, they have this room. Don't come in here. Like, there's like a thing. Don't come in here. And then they got like a case that has Annabelle and it says, don't open this. Yeah. It's just like, we can't do a little better than that. Don't open this. <laughs> and it's just all right there on Annabelle's face. No, no, that doll is not going in your house. You don't, No one's taking that doll home. It is bad news from like, the jump. Yeah. I like those Conjuring movies. I think that's a fun sure. franchise. And Is there a scary thing from a movie that isn't a horror movie that you can think of, Phil? Yeah. You know, um, Brett put this question to me before, and, and, and I feel like, uh, everyone went a little campy and a little fun, but like I took it seriously. And the stuff that really rattles me is when, when movies kind of abandon the cinematic grammar of how violence is going to go and really just kind of grab you by the throat. And, and the two examples I thought of with Brent was um, 
Adam Goldberg's death in Saving Private Ryan when he's he's sort of like having a hand to hand combat with this German, and you think he's going to win, and and then it ends up that the guy gets his bayonet from him, and he's and he's trying mm-hmm. to keep him from putting it into his chest. And what the part that really just bleh, just gave me made my skin crawl was Adam Goldberg trying to reason with the guy in the instant before it was going in. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were fighting to the death and he's going, hold on, hold on, stop. Wait, listen to me, listen to me. And then the bayonet's just going in and um, that really rattled me. And then there was a, there's a fist fight in Deadwood that is to the death that again, it just the same thing. It just doesn't feel like cinema. It feels horrible, ugly violence where these guys are, are not in shape and they're beating the fuck out of each other. And, and they're so overexerted by that. They're puking and they're wheezing and, and, and they still are going because one of them is going to die. Um, so those kind of existential things. And as, as I said, I framed it to Brett. I said, I'm not a person who has ever known conflict or violence. So, <laughs> you know, someone, mm-hmm. someone being killed by someone else's bare hands. And when it's rendered in a real way, really kind of freaks me out. And I say that as someone who's seen, every Friday the 13th movie and every, every Freddy movie that there's a language in those that keeps it safe to me. And this is a guy from Philly. This is a guy from the streets of Philly. The things he's seen, he's seen the mummers parade. You think that's a horror show? God damn the mummers. They got to stop. He saw the Um, Eagles win the super bowl. (laughs) And I saw them. Yeah. I saw them lose. I saw them win. Um, When they win, it's something, you know, you guys talk about vintage PSAs at all. Ever, does anybody ever send you like you guys get sent clips from Phil? We will talk about literally anything on this show. Well, you know, Brent was asking about clips, and the one thing I keep thinking about that really like we saw it once as kids, and then every time it, it came on after that, we ran out of the room because we didn't want to see it again. And it was a PSA of a woman talking about how her husband smoked in bed, and she the, it's one shot, and she's holding a picture of her, you assume of herself. It's a nice little portrait of herself talking about how her husband smoked in bed. And one night he fell asleep with a cigarette and she says it was his last. And then she takes the picture away. And says, oh no. I, I guess you could say I was the lucky one. And she is burned beyond recognition. Oh. Ah! She is, her nose is gone. Her lips are gone. And oh, it was, no. and it was a local New York market commercial because I think the fire department was, was the one that sponsored it. And I found people describing it online and I found people who kind of remember it. That clip is nowhere to be found. It, it fucking horrified us as children. That's we, upsetting. We ran out of the room. Yeah. Come on. Well, there's there was like, no TiVo then. There's different level. There's like, there's scary. There's jump scares. There's like, and then there's just upsetting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess as, as somebody who like trades in, in the genre, it pisses me off when, when non-fans or people that don't get horror think that we're into all of it, that we want to watch gore right. and we want to watch suffering and faces of mm-hmm. death and right. stuff. And just, right. I, that's not, my line is way, way afield of that. Yeah. I want to talk. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for me, Julie, one movie we both share in common that has a horrifying scene in it that is not a horror movie is The Long Goodbye when he smashes that bottle in the God in her face. You're just like, that's true horror because now you realize, oh, this is a this is a monster here. Yeah. It's a dangerous person. Yeah. Mm. It cuts through all the style. Yes. Let's talk about Pinocchio. Nothing's more upsetting than Pinocchio. That movie should be banned. No child should watch it. The part where the, the guy's like, like that, that, don- that kid's not done yet with his donkey transformation, send him back. I think about that sometimes late at night and I, I like get so upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's uh, a scary one. Yeah. 
it's body horror, isn't it? It's it's you know everybody says body horror starts it's with body horror and it's cruelty. Like there's a, something like there's a cruel because there's violence and there's sadism and there's cruelty. Like there's just different levels of this stuff and somebody like genuinely taking pleasure. Oh no 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 no, Brett, we're not watching it. We're not watching it. Brett, oh my god, no no. You no. listen, Brett. You take that clip and you delete it. You get it, <laughs> get pulled, it off the you internet. You report it. You report, report that. Report, report Walt Disney to YouTube moderators. <clears throat> yeah, no body horror is upsetting. The, the the John Carpenter the thing when it's that pile of goo with the dog. I still am upset about that. See, I just think that's gross. You think it's upsetting, but it's upsetting because the forms are just smooshed together like that, and it's really upsetting. Yeah. To me. Because it's yeah, like it's, pain. It seems painful. Yeah, there's a wrongness to it. Yes. The wrong wrongness is the perfect way to say it. It's just like this is foundationally wrong. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get upset with simulated um, uh, violence against animals? I don't. Yeah. I, that's my one. I, I don't. I don't. Anything having to do with animals. I'm not watching mm-hmm. it. I'm not hearing about it. That's my one no matter what thing. Isn't it amazing a movie even like that's a non-horror movie like Road Warrior can have a thing and you're watching this and the people getting flipped off of trucks and cars and everything. And as soon as that one dude kills his dog, then everybody's just like, yeah, that's like the shift in the whole movie. Look at John Wick. It's a franchise based around this guy's dog. So if I just skip the first 10 minutes, can I watch that movie for John Wick? Yeah. I got to say this. Nobody loves dogs more than I do. Nobody loves dogs more than I do. It's a tie. I think you got to watch the thing and just look it. away. No, just look away. No, I can't do it. Because then you're the, going to be I the whole time. The, you're going to be like, you're going to be like, go get him. Kill him. And then when that one guy's like, why is he doing this over a dog? No, I will know. <laughs> I know in my heart. I don't need to see it. No, okay. Animals are completely off the table. Phil. Okay. Well, let's find the time of when that happens. And then you can you can skip over that minute. Just know that well, Connor Connor has made like Julie friendly cuts of certain movies for me, like certain well, like he'll like edit like Fish Called Wanda. He'll edit um, mm-hmm. like um, Roger and me. He'll do an edit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's like certain things that are just completely <laughs> off the table. Well, Anything having Wick to do with edit. animals being I, I'm up. I'm de- well. Oh, you know what I saw, which we haven't discussed yet was nobody. I didn't watch mm. it, nobody yet. I loved it. I loved Did you see it? Not yet. Tommy? No, I'm going to, uh, what I'm thinking of doing, no joke, thinking of renting a theater. And there's like, there's what you can rent. You're going like, to you love rent, it. You're going to love it. That's one gonna, of the movies yep. you can rent out and bring like a few people to go see it. I will fly out to Los Angeles. <laughs> Mask free. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. <laughs> but no, I loved it so much. And I will say, I'm not going to give a thing away when I say that this is John Wick for cats. Okay. Yeah. You like cats, Phil? I like them. I'm allergic to them, so there, oh, there's no there no. are no cats in my life. Um, I used to go visit a pet store that had a hairless cat missing an eyeball, and that cat loved me, and and we were cool. But what is the thing you're looking forward to in 2021 horror wise, Phil? What can we what can we look forward to? What is a what's a movie that you know is coming down the pike that everybody's gonna love? I have you've three. got the inside scoop. Three? Yes. Got three for you. One is called yeah. The Night House, and that is a film with uh, who's the gal who was in Vicky Cristina Barcelona, but not Scarlett Johansson. Penelope Cruz. Penelope nope. Cruz. 
I'm drawing a blank on these. Oh, series. Rebecca Hall. Thank you. Rebecca Hall, Rebecca Hall is a, as a young widow in her the house that her husband built, and it's a cool sort of maybe ghost story, maybe psychological thing. Really, really well done by a filmmaker named David Bruckner. Um, that's coming out, I think, in July. Okay. Uh, there's a very fun one called Werewolves Within with Sam Richardson. Oh, he's who great. Is, uh, he was on Veep. Sam Richardson is so funny. We love on- Sam Richard. Oh, we yeah. know Sam Richardson. He's the yeah, funniest he's- guy ever. He's the lead in this movie, uh, and it's amazing. It's it's a very if you like freaky, this is more like of that. It's a very it's jokes first, but the the horror is like fun and legit. Cool. Um, and then probably oh, in the earth came out today yesterday, and in the earth is like a weird folk horror movie from a British guy named Ben Wheatley, but it's got a little bit of like British sci-fi to it. And it's also kind of a slasher in the woods movie. Got an amazing performance by a, an actor who's primarily known for comedy named Reese Shearsmith. It's a okay. British actor, and uh, he's amazing in it. Um, and then Candyman's finally coming out, which I, you know, I got to see that a year ago. Who can take the sunrise? Don't Say, sing listen, it three times. Um, Don't sing it three times. <laughs> <laughs> in a mirror. Um, if I like things that are about how women, like feminist, uh, like how like women are paranoid, but it turns out that we're right. Besides mm. Stepford Wives and Rosemary's Baby, what else is there in that genre? So the night house is one I told you about. And that's a big one. Um, if you, uh, you saw invisible man this past year. I liked invisible man. Yeah. Yeah. That was really real good. good. Uh, it was almost two. It was, it was so well made that it was like, you know, when a horror movie is so well made and you feel like you're just at the mercy of it. And you're like, this sucks that <laughs> I'm being so manipulated by this thing. Yeah, that it's like it's it's a great experience to have gone through. But when you're in the middle of it, you're like, I can't take any more of this. Yeah, that's, that's how a, that movie was for me. That's a massive compliment to a filmmaker. I dug I it. Yeah. I dug it. Um, feminist horror. Maybe it's not about the paranoid thing, but it's still really, really good. There's a film called Relic out of Australia. Maybe my favorite horror movie last year. Okay. Um, it's it's a really cool generational thing. And it's uh, and it deals with like. Uh, themes of like caregiving like you, if you're folks that are like your age my age who have a parent who's maybe getting uh hard to take care of and all the messy emotions that go with that but also horror uh really really excellent film by a filmmaker named Nat- natalie erica james and there's i expect great stuff coming from her yeah uh, my wife and i watched relic it, it, we loved it incredible yeah yeah great great recommendation. real good yeah and, um, you know, another interesting one from a, a woman's perspective is a movie that came out this week called Jacob's Wife, starring uh, Barbara Crampton, who's another contributor to Fangoria. And it's actually on the cover of your issue. But I will I will say it's cool. it's really kind of an unexpected thing because, you know, Barbara came back to work. She was in the 80s and 90s. She was in a lot of horror. She came back to work 10 years ago and has slowly kind of built uh, a space for herself in the genre. And now she's like at 62. She's the lead in this movie. And it's about like a housewife going through, you know, uh, the kinds of things that a, a woman her age goes through in terms of a, a relationship that's on, in the, uh, a rut. And she's kind of lost who she is because she's given herself over to a marriage and there's all kinds of interesting stuff in it, but it's also a comedy and, uh, and it's really, really gory. And I don't think any animals get hurt. So. Okay. Good. Good. That's Good. Awesome. Thank well, you is... so much, Phil. This was yeah. really fun. Sure. Thank you for having me. I hope, yes. uh, I hope you got all your answers. No, this is a seriously good time. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, guys.
say that was a frighteningly good time? I have to say, Julie, that I am. I don't know. I got no horror <laughs> puns to make. You said frighteningly good time. That's the best one That'll that do. there is. Brett, what is the thing? What is, Brett, what are your like horror triggers? Do you have a horror like thing? Well, where like, no, I, no, no, I, no, 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 no. It, it's crazy, but um, I'm the same as Phil. Home invasion is my thing. Home invasion is my number one. Home invasion and, and head trauma for some reason. Like, you know, when somebody gets like, like I think there's a scene in Wild at Heart where Nicolas Cage literally like beats someone's head. So you can see their like skull. That head trauma is mm-hmm. like the, for some reason, is a trigger for me. Um, but home invasion, uh, this is, um, the first movie that I remember just being terrified, like I couldn't sleep, traumatized for a week, was was uh, uh, the Fugitive with Harrison Ford. For some reason, mm-hmm. just the I don't know why it was because I think because I was going in just very sort of wasn't expect I was expecting a fun little movie, and uh, for some reason when the, when the one armed man breaks in and and in the beginning to, and then kills Harrison Ford's wife to kick off the whole thing, I don't know what it was, but that that just that just like triggered something in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the 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 uh, the fugitive was my first like just couldn't sleep at night movie. You know, a movie uh, you probably don't want to see then. Can the head beater? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen that, Julie? Ken the head beater. No, what's it about? What's this guy named Ken? He beats people. What does he do? He beats them. He beats their heads in. Oh no! But he, surely he has a key to the 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 person's home. Oh no! It's home invasion first. It starts with home invasion. Maybe I should watch that then. You know, it's like when people are afraid of heights, they do uh, skydiving or something. To sure, get maybe, maybe I therapy. should watch Ken, Ken the Exposure therapy. Yeah, sure. You make you smoke a whole carton of cigarettes. <laughs> And then as soon as you're okay, Tom dresses up like Ken. Like he, he yeah. only, he created this character because he has a, <laughs> God damn it, Brett. Your cat, is this the cat that wants to leave? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, that cat is, he wants to, leave. she, she wants to leave. That cat wants out. That I've cat never is... seen a cat that so badly wanted to <laughs> wander the yeah. neighborhood. Well, look, of- I'm getting, Julie, I'm getting a microchip this week and good. I'm the, good, the, good, the, the, good. G, the GPS okay. collar is in the mail. So we're, 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 I'm being very responsible about this. Good. Uh, but uh, the cat, we were, we're both going to get what we, and honestly, like she was, I, I you let her out again yesterday. And then I come out an hour later and she's just lying on the ground outside. She's lying on the yeah, porch. She's, so I, she's I think, finally able to exhale. Cause she's like, this is what I want. And you know what, you know what the other thing with that cat bread is if you gave that cat your car keys, I guarantee within three minutes, you'd hear Vroom. like if you, if you just put them on the counter and like specifically when like this one's the car, this one is the car key you would hear your car within five minutes, start it up and you'd have to put, you'd be like, this one's the the house key. This one's the alarm. This one's the post office box. This one's the car key. Yeah. You'd hear. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, 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 Then you'd hear. Bad. Or you'd hear. Cat scratch fever because I picture that's what cats would listen to if they were like they wanted like road music. They play cat scratch fever. A dog would play bad to the bone. Yeah. And then at night they get into Al Stewart. You're the cat, you know, for a little yeah. nighttime music Yeah, for a little Dogs- driving up the PCH. <laughs> yeah. Dogs listen to bad to the bone because they think it's it's called 
it's about how badly they want a bone. Yeah. They just. <laughs> Seriously, though, you should check out Ken the Headbeater. <laughs> You're going to love it. Do you know who directed it? Who? Uh, Orson Welles Jr. <laughs> Tyler Wells. His son, Jared Wells. Oh, Orson Welles is actually my grandfather. Uh, maybe you've heard of my grandfather, Orson Welles. I'm I'm Jared Wells. <laughs> my grandfather kind of uh, directed Citizen Kane. And there's I mean, this new you, movie. But by the way, don't watch Mank. Yeah, Mank there's this movie cool. out now. It's it's just a total crock. I'm telling you. He's a Mank truther. Yeah. Mank. I watched five minutes of Mank, and How I was did just you like, "Even get through five minutes?" I didn't get through five minutes of Mank. Mank. I watched. I watched ninety seconds into Mank. I was kind of just like, "Yeah, maybe I'll download some of these games uh, that <laughs> that like like these phone games, or you're just like, uh, there's a commercial every third time you play the game, like these super cheap phone games." What games? just like ball catcher or like these like there's like fun games that are for free but they're not for free because they're ramming an ad in your face every minute and a half so two minutes into mank you downloaded ball catcher i was i was just like i think i gotta see what's up with ball catcher yeah maybe mank is like an ad campaign for ball catcher yeah it just drives people to free instagram promoted phone games i gotta say that was a fun uh conversation i like talking to him fangoria order your copy of fangoria today yeah and uh order your double threat merch today also at tpublic.com slash stores slash double dash thread or just click on the link in the show notes. And if somebody in the listening audience can um, start keeping track of Brett's uh, gentle uh, transitional nudges to us and transcribe them, I would like a list of, I want us to see them written out. I want to see, speaking of this, we have that. Speaking of Speaking of guests. Yeah, we have a guest. Yeah, I know. That's why we were speaking of guests. And review us because if you don't, I'm going to quit the show. She will. Listeners, I'm beginning to think this is a real threat and an honest. It's seriously it is a threat. Keep, it's seriously keeping me up at night. This is uh, the this, triple this, threat. This is the third threat. I'm going to fucking quit doing the show if you don't do a thousand reviews. It's all we want. It's pathetic that we don't have them. I'm very disappointed. So keep them coming. Yeah, get those reviews up over at uh, Apple and iTunes and whatnot. Whatever you call it these days. The mocha choco. Lockbox. Mocha choco latte. Remember when Al Gore had the lockbox? You bet. You bet I do. I have a (laughs) lockbox. Okay. Well, everybody. Another fun episode of Double Threat in the Balt, the Crypt. In the Crypt. 
And we will be back next week with another episode of the show, which is going to be a special treat we've got for you. And we don't want to say what it is yet, but you're not going to believe it. And you're going to love it. And thanks for listening. And we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.